Yeah, ready to go, ready to roll. Browner and Lawhead. That's John Browner and Jason Lawhead here on the Monitor 1090 ESPN. Well, we have so many announcements coming. There's a lot of, there's a lot coming away courtesy of this station. We'll be here as we're always here Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. We're your drive home. If you are stuck in traffic that sucks, or will you drive to the ballpark if you don't want to hear somebody tell you what's about to happen at the game? You will want to have some fun before you get there. But we're going to talk about a little bit about a lot of stuff. As always, you can find the podcast at the iTunes Podcast Store. You can find the show on YouTube under the Captain and Crew banner of shows. We are in the Great Friends Podcast Network. Jason Lawhead, my co-host, super duper famously well-written comedian. <laughs> I love every every Monday you lie a little more for me. I love it. Every time you intro me, it's just a a little extra frosting on that embellishment. But I I appreciate you, my man. I'm due. In about a month, it's going to be like, I first it was George Carlin. (laughs) Now it's Jason Filming his documentary now while he's alive because he's so legendary. No. um, Yeah, man. Thanks. It was a good weekend. I had a good weekend. Um, Just uh, actually spent some time with an old friend that came into town. I actually finally got to golf. Tory Pines, the North Course, uh, for the four years. How was it? It was amazing, dude. So I've been there um, a couple times for the Farmers Insurance Open to be a spectator. As you know, I love me some white people mm-hmm. golf. And um, mm-hmm. so. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't, ain't no, no shame in admitting no. it. And then uh, obviously one day uh, last year uh, on Saturday, Kaplan and I went to Saturday's round of the U.S. Open that was at Tory, And I had uh, been out here uh long time ago when i first moved to california came down with a friend and saw the the u.s open at tory in 08 as well so i got to finally play the north course which is like the course that they play on thursday and friday before the cut and then south course is always the championship course so i gotta play that one next but uh yeah a friend of mine uh from from lorraine ohio uh known my whole life was out here doing some business so he really pushed me to get a tea time we played the twilight because it's so hard to get a tea time even if you're a resident so we got a friday afternoon kind of a later one but man course is awesome uh and it's just that back nine along the ocean there those holes to have that right here in our backyard one of the most famous courses and for it to be a public course and if you just pay 25 dollars to get your your card uh your residence card you can play that course literally for like 50 50 60 bucks i mean it's 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 insane how long did it take? well we didn't we play i tell you what so we had to play the twilight right you have to wait you have to play the twilight which is it's going to get dark at the end so it's not a very attractive time slot so you can get that for like 29 dollars if you have the residence card so uh we played actually we got through uh 17 holes and by the time we were on the 17th green there just wasn't enough light to get to 218 and play it so we just drove off but to play 17 holes um, in that kind of time frame, we teed off around four, uh, a little over after four. So we got done just before eight. Uh, you know, by 7:40, you just couldn't see anything. Um, so we we bolted off the course, but we made a we made great time. They do a great job of, you know, setting up the tee time so there isn't like a whole lot of slow play. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man, it was fun. It was amazing. We played La Costa Resort on Thursday. He was in town Thursday. We played La Costa, the champions uh, course there, which is a great professional course. Uh, so 
but I was happy with the way I hit it. Oh, and I also we also we do we played 36 on Friday. We got up early in the morning and we played uh Saint Mark out in uh, San Marcos, and then we had a little break, and then we went to Torrey Pines at four. So I played 50, well, for 53 holes in in uh about 30 or not even 20, probably 30 hours, you know. So it was the most. Did you feel like a professional? Did you feel like a professional golfer? With, with the I feel grind? I felt like a professional golfer that had to withdraw after not making the cut. Um, no, but no, I actually hit the ball really good for not playing a while. I was really happy with the way uh, with the way I was hitting the driver and some wedges, and uh, so I'm excited to go back out and play again. But it, awesome course. Thank you, Tory Pines. Thank you, San Diego, because uh, man, I'm gonna start using uh, taking advantage of that residence card and start playing more golf there for that price it's just a no-brainer speaking of things that have become a no-brainer mm-hmm. you better not be rooting against the padres because this is a no-brainer they're gonna beat you they're gonna beat you baby so and they went on a road trip to atlanta won two out of three in atlanta went to philadelphia won two out of three in philadelphia and then came back and then swept swept the giants mm-hmm. so for those of you keeping score at home that's seven out of ten. You're now a half game back of first place. You're now on the verge, not on the verge, but you're you are in the point of your schedule where people who had concerns about you, you're starting to knock off those concerns. To go to San Francisco and finish them off with a tenth spot when everybody was concerned about the inability to hit to start the season. Will the pitching be healthy? And it looks as if all those things are beginning to round into shape. Kim has been a solid replacement at shortstop. Cronenworth seems to be coming around. Eric Hosmer has been doing pretty good all year. I, would, I wouldn't say great, but he's been good all year. As long as he figures out what side of the bag to stand on at first base, he's good. Joe Myers, great day yesterday. He's had ups and downs, but nevertheless, the hitting has been up and down. The pitching, which I've said from the beginning of the season, if the pitching is consistent, this will be one team to be reckoned with. Because name-wise, recognition-wise, they've got the best roster. they got the best pitching rotation in baseball. Now it's appearing to bear fruit. You're getting great outings from McKenzie Gore, whether it be the start or out of the, out of the bullpen. Joe Musgrove has been consistent. The Padres have won the last seven, the last eight starts by you, Darvish. The last seven starts by you, Darvish, and the last eight starts by Joe Musgrove. So they're getting production in places where you needed to get production in to, to just kind of hold the line until the hitting picked up. And so tonight, I think tonight they're playing Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Three with- yeah, they got they got Milwaukee right now as you're driving to the park and you're listening to this. They got Milwaukee tonight for three. Milwaukee's been playing great this year. Yep. This will be back-to-back test for teams or for people who were saying, oh, well, wait till they play somebody. They haven't played anybody. They haven't played anybody. Well, you can only beat the teams that you play, and after sweeping the Giants, coming in here and getting some wins against Milwaukee would be well-suited for me. Yeah, and this is a big game, um, you know, or at least a big series to take two or three from, right? A team that's playing well at the top yes. of their division and not just coming back from a successful road trip, but not getting that day off. A lot of times you play that nine or ten game trip, you come home, you've got that day off to kind of get back to your home field, but they're coming back 
after that, going right back to work at home. So to be able to take two or three, you've got Snell and Darvish due uh, to start game two and three of this series. And that's the theme, right? Uh, take two or three, especially when you're on the road, if you can take two or three, take two or three, take three or four, split some, some tough four game series or, or you know, um, make, make up for the times uh, with some sweeps that you go one and two in a series, but it's all like we said before the season, you know, um, and it's about innings, right? It isn't just about getting production from starting. It's about getting the kind of production that saves that bullpen, that makes that bullpen feel like uh, we we only have to go out and do the job that we 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 are expected to do. You know, the kind of train to do as a bullpen, right? Go in there and get outs in matchups, and you know, uh, spell a guy uh, after some long uh, pitches. But but knowing that the bullpen knows that the starters are giving these kind of outings uh, only makes them better. It's got to. You know, it, 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 they, they know that they can feel like they can sit back there, enjoy the game a little bit through some innings and not have to worry about who the first one's going to be jumping up, tossing in the third or, you know, um, and, you know, who's in turn is next and how early am I going to go in? These are all huge things, I think, for this pitching staff that over the last couple of years, even with the success of building this roster, that has been the the Achilles heel is just not things and getting into that bullpen early in the season often and making that bullpen become something that it isn't expected to be over the course of a season and that's huge Tatis with the way you know you can lose guys in a batting order when when things are that steady and you know knock on wood these arms stay healthy these arms continue to uh, get stronger and even be able to, you know, throw more innings as the season goes on, because that is the recipe for this team to be successful when it comes to September and October. So when the year of the $300 million contract happened and Manny Machado got one of those from San Diego, there were a lot of people nationally up in arms about this contract. First and foremost, because Manny Machado played for the Baltimore Orioles. And the writers on the East Coast basically form how sports is written yeah. across the country. Some people may disagree with that, but that's a fact. I don't read, read, read. And he had a terrible reputation for whatever reason, for whatever reason, he had gotten on the bad side of, of, of people who write narratives on the East Coast. He comes to Los Angeles, does a couple of things where the national broadcast teams are now saying, well, let's see, this is what you get, blah, blah, blah. Then the, Padres give him the $300 million. And then there's the echoes and, and, and the people talking about the contract and the length of the money. It looks worth it. Since the day he's got here, since the day Manny Machado has gotten here, he has been consistent and he has been, I, he's been what you want a leader to be. He's never down. He's never too down. He's never too up. And he's, put such a bullseye on his back to take off of other guys. When Tatis comes in and Tatis is, Tatis is just a, a, a superstar, Manny never said, look at me. Manny never got in the way of that. Manny encouraged that. Manny, Manny built that up. Manny was proud of the reason why he started the season his rookie year. And so for all the people who poo-pooed the contract, 
Look at where he has gotten this organization. Because I firmly believe the turnaround in this organization started when they cut the check for Manny Machado. Statistically, you may not be able to see that, but everything isn't statistically built. He set a tone in that clubhouse. The organization set a tone with that contract. And since that contract, the trajectory of this ball club has been going up. Now, the last year's falling off of a cliff was unfortunate due to injuries, but the organization has gone up, 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 up since they signed Manny Machado. So hats off to him because he has been balling this year. Yeah. And, you know, you're right. You know, you cut a check to a guy like that with those kind of lingering with those link fat. Yeah. And those lingering, you said, like you said, reputations that East Coast media, and, and you're absolutely right. They build narratives and, and reputations, and it sticks with guys for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the last thing he probably did visibly before the Padres cut that check was in front of uh, everybody's eyes, not running a ground ball in the postseason that a lot of people, you know, kind of jumped on as a conclusion to this season. Yeah, jumped on the guy as a conclusion to this is who the guy is. This is who you're paying. Mm -hmm. You're paying. You're giving three hundred million. Who I don't know, run out for his base. But you know what? That's one. That's one isolated play. You know what? You are giving three hundred million to. You're giving three hundred million to to a guy that has a heck of a glove and takes it real serious on the defensive end. And he takes both sides of his job very seriously and is consistent at both of them. So uh, there, you can go through a million multitudes of game films of all these great guys with all these great reputations. You're going to see guys not running out of ground ball here, there, or anywhere, and sometimes even in a postseason game where they know, you know. Eh. But at the end of the day, do they bring the glove? Do they go to the cage? Do they take ground balls? Do they, do they hit with the hitting instructor every single day and stay committed to it? like a guy that should be getting 300 million does. I don't know, but I know Manny Machado does. And that's, you're right. I think that's been kind of the leadership through the whole thing. So when other guys see a guy who, who cut the, who, who, who got cut the big check, but signed the long-term deal to it, you know, right. give Machado credit. Sure. He got money, but he also jumped on board for a long time. And other guys see that and they see a work ethic coming to the park. Um, they, and I think they see a guy that was able to kind of, you know, slide right off of Tingler and come and follow into Melvin's mold and what Melvin wanted to do as a new manager and other players follow that, man, that's leadership. And you're right. I think Tatis has a, you know, he's got a lot to thank with Machado. Yes. Uh, you know, he, uh, he's he got a lot to think, especially during this right now. Because if this team was plummeting and, you know, they weren't hitting, boy, I tell you what, Tatis would be hearing it from off the bench. You know, he'd be he'd be hearing it from off the bench about what he how he let this team down and what he's done and now look at him and is there any way this season can be salvaged, yada, yada, yada. But guess what? Everybody right now is just – you know, Machado happy, Machado crazy, pitching staff happy, pitching staff crazy, Bob Melvin happy, Bob Melvin, you know, crazy, but with a sense of, hey, we'll get Tatis back. Who's there? Like, you know, like you said, right, their future, exactly. their big time ball player that Machado was right. great with. Oh, hey, this guy. Yeah, back so it, that's a nice spot to be in, but uh, Machado deserves so much credit. And I think right now, if you were to look at, you know, criteria, uh, situation, 
where this team was expected to be from a couple of years ago when he signed to what they've went through to where they are in the division that they're in. I mean, he's got to be the front runner for the National League MVP right now. I don't know how anybody else could let be. Me, hey, let me do a because we had planned to talk about the Josh mm-hmm. Donaldson, uh, Tim Anderson thing, but I, I got a soapbox for a second. You said something and it and it, it makes me it burns me up inside. Who cares if somebody doesn't run mm-hmm. out first base? Like some some of these are just some some of this, this is like oh the unwritten code of baseball oh the kids are watching to the hell with them right. kids okay if, if I'm a professional athlete and I know I'm not this this is an out for me ah, I'm gonna go I'm I'm running in that direction but I'm not running my heart out because you know what happens if you do that let's say you pops a hamstring sure. or an Achilles running hard to first in a play where he wasn't going to be safe anyway. Right. And that's a guy you gave $300 million to. The idea that – these ideas that people go, well, I want a guy who plays hard every play. You've never – you have never played – and I hate to be that guy. You've never played a high-level competition sport. And I'm talking about high-level high school, high-level uh, junior college, high-level college, pro, anything. If you think – People play hard every single play. In the Super Bowl, everybody ain't playing super hard on every single play. So cut it out. Cut it out. This whole thing about, oh, you're supposed to run out the first. It's the World Series. He It's out. You know how I know? I've been playing all year. And you know I looked up? That's, I'm not going to beat that out. I've been playing all year. I don't want to hurt myself. Yeah. You want to bring analytics into baseball? The analytics are, I'm not going to beat this out, and he's not going to throw it over that. And the, the only other analytic, you know what the better chance is? The better chance of this analytic happening is him throwing an error over this guy, and I'll be on first base. Matter of fact, I might be on second if the ball goes in the dugout. So, right? right. And here's who I want to run out balls. You know who I want to run out balls every play? It is a guy if at the top of the order, if, if I got a speedster, because that's what I went out and paid right. for. I went out and paid for if I went out job. and paid for Kenny Lofton to be my leadoff hitter. He better run out every ground ball because I expect him to either draw walks or get on base. That's what I need him to do. You know what? My eight or nine hitter that hits 242, maybe, but, he, but he's a great glove at shortstop. I want him running out everything because I need him to go right. from 242 to 243. Right? So that's who I expect to be doing that. And guys, like you said, you know, the guys that are getting minutes, the guys that are playing every single day, the guys that aren't coming out of games, whether it's any sport, yeah, there's going to be times where they don't run out of ground ball or they don't finish hard on a route that isn't going to that every once in a while. But you know what? The guys that come in for limited action, limited time, I want them running out ground balls. I want them running out the route. I want them diving into the scorer's table to save a basketball because I'm only asking them to play 18 minutes. I, I- like this is so there are certain sports like for instance one of the people who i loved watching play was ichiro now one because he didn't take a playoff because he was surgical and he was so surgical to the point where his swing had him running out of the box because that was the Mm -hmm. assignment that was the assignment he understood that and so he was never someone you would go He's not gonna run that out because he ran everyone out because that was his job. Well, that's what he was. You never saw he was a base hit hitter. Saw Dennis, you never saw Dennis Robin go, Oh, let me look at the box score. Damn, Dennis Robin took 20 shots tonight. That wasn't his job. Okay, he wasn't looking to shoot, he was doing his job. And so what you 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 put it perfectly. I'm paying Kenny Lofton to come out and be a gold glove center fielder and to run the bases. 
I'm not paying him to hit it under over the wall. I'm paying for him to make sure he gets around these bases right. for the people who hit it over the wall. Right. So the argument of, oh, this guy doesn't run hard to first. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Because unless it's an error, by the way, he's going to be safe anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We fight so much about analytics. And we always talk about the numbers, this. And baseball is so littered with analytics. And they take and, and, and then you get old school baseball people who want to talk about something as stupid as, oh, run out the run out the first base. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut the hell up. Right. Give me a break. Give me a break. If you're on your way to the Padres game, if someone run out first base, cheer. Cheer. <laughs> cheer. So we got so much more left on the show. We might get mad about Nick Saban. We might talk about Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. We might talk about Warriors math. We might talk about Celtic seat. There's a lot going on. Brown and Lawhead, we'll be back. Welcome back to the best podcast, best show, best YouTube that you didn't know that you love. Brown and Lawhead, Mightier 1090, ESPN. Big announcement coming up, start of June. Be aware, have your antennas up for that. There's still a lot to get to here. We are coming to you from Southern California, San Diego to be exact, home of the soon-to-be first place San Diego Padres. But we talked enough about it in the first half of the podcast. Head over and check that out. We all talked about the stupid rules of baseball, unwritten ones that apply to nothing other than stupidity. So over the weekend, baseball, unwritten rules, I don't even know. I don't, it's, racism is a pretty well-written rule. I wouldn't consider racism an unwritten rule um the game of baseball was built on it this exactly and that's why this conversation is very interesting uh in its nature that uh josh donaldson a a third baseman for the yankees had a run-in with tim anderson a shortstop for the white Sox, in where initially it looked as if they had a disagreement when tim anderson tried to slide back into third after uh, taking too long of a leadoff. And it appeared to see Josh Donaldson slam his shoulder into the ground to try to block him from getting to the base. Tim Anderson took exception exception to that and kind of gave gentle push. Like, what are you doing? The ump came in, no benches cleared. It, it was kind of something where it didn't look above board. The guy, Tim Anderson, expressed himself. And then that seemed to be the end of it. Well, it wasn't. That seemed to be the start. According to Tim Anderson, Josh Donaldson um, admittedly called him Jackie Robbins. Not uh, Jackie Robinson. Jackie, to be short. In which Tim Anderson took massive exception to that. The catcher for the Chicago White Sox heard about this. And when Josh Donaldson came to the plate, he took mass exception with this guy in his face, had a conversation with him to where the bench is cleared, and Tim Anderson had to be lifted up off his feet and taken into the dugout. After the game, it was both players were interviewed. Josh Donaldson explained it as him and Tim Anderson were friends, and he said this to them before because Tim Anderson referred to himself as the new Jackie Robinson, which that is a true thing, and that happened. Tim Anderson, on the other hand, said it was racist, his manager, Tony LaRusso, said it was racist. Uh, the catcher, whose name is escaping me right now, said he felt like it was an absolute racist thing said by Josh Donaldson. I'll, I'll give my input on this, but Jason, 
after hearing the story and reading up and seeing what you've seen, would you say that the actions of Josh Donaldson were racist? I mean, you don't know what's in somebody's head or heart, truly, right? Yes. But I will say that um, being, you know, likening yourself to Jackie Robinson is probably a mistake <laughs> in 2022. Okay. That's probably the first mistake of all these mistakes. Leave that alone to begin with. Leave that alone to begin with because it's only going to come back in your face. Now, is he more upset at the fact of that lingering decision, right? Maybe, maybe after it was printed and he saw it for what it was, he's been thinking and thought and has been thinking, oh, God, why did I say that? Oh God, why did I compare myself to Jackie Robinson? What was I thinking in that stupid article or saying that? And now it's out there. And and maybe that over the boiling point of other emotions triggered him a little bit more and to and to take it so personal that it's gonna I gotta throw some something back at this. Um and so that part I don't know. I don't know if it's just a guy being gamesmanshipy going, okay, Jackie, like, right? Like if I, <clears throat> right? right? Does it have anything to do with color? Or does it have to do with just some comparison that Josh Donaldson's looking at like, okay, yeah. Okay, Scorsese, right? What if somebody said that to a director on set that was just a white guy that in an article earlier said, I liken myself to Martin Scorsese. And now he's just some young actor who's done one film, right? And some other guy that's been in the league who might be an MVP or an Oscar winner, like, you know, says, okay, Scorsese, whatever you think, whatever you say, you know, I don't know. Is it that or is it is it deep-heated racism? I think there's a lot more examples probably in baseball even today yesterday last week and this past month yeah. that you can point to where there's been some actual racism or something to that effect so that part to comment on it i feel like there seems to be you know if, if you can liken yourself to jackie robinson and then can't take a simple jackie hit when there's words or a scuffling without saying it's racism hmm. i don't know i mean i don't know josh donaldson well enough his haircut looks like he might be a racist but i, I don't <laughs> you know you got that yeah. maga cut yeah he's kind of you know um but I, I you know so that stolen election yeah, exactly cut. that j6 cut but um i i don't uh <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if if sit down at the barber chair yeah, and say, "Give I mean, me that J 6 I don't know if you know if that if that constitutes saying, "Oh, that's racist to be throwing that back in my face." Well, you said it. I mean, you said it. We're in a little heated exchange. Something that came to my head was like, "Okay, Jackie, like you're Jackie Robinson now." All of a sudden, seventy-five right. years later, when so, you know Jackie had to go through it all, you know. Um, and this, this is this is where I I have a, a bone to pick with Tim Anderson. There is real racism in baseball. Yes, that's period. my point. The, it's history is littered with racism. We've had multiple, like you said before, we've had multiple examples this year of one coach telling the dugout, "Get your get that boy under control." Mm -hmm. Like there has been actual examples 
of racism, this does this doesn't to me this doesn't fly as one. No. Now, if if Josh Donaldson, by all accounts from other people, I've never met the man. I didn't know who the hell he was. Never seen him play until this particular. He won an American. League. He won an MVP award. People around the league say he's a dick. I'm sure he is. And so, as far as that goes, okay. But when you, when someone says something is racist, racism is, if it's not overt and physical, the racism then by claim is totally based on the person receiving the comment. And so when it comes to that type of racism, I go case by case with that. Because to me, Josh Donald's, John Donald's explanation was, I'm friends with this guy. I've played, I've I've played against him many times, and him and I have joked back and forth many times. Unless something changed, I don't know why he took it that way. Right. And that, and 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 to me, that is probably what happened. Something changed with Tim Anderson that Josh Donaldson wasn't aware of, right. and the comment just rubbed Tim Anderson the wrong way. Hey, look, a white guy is lot. A white guy. Let me tell you something. A white guy, no, being a white guy, knowing a lot of white guys, a white guy can be a total dick and not be a racist. I think I'm probably one to to a lot of people. It's, um, but I'm what I'm saying it's is possible. It's possible. You know, um, so I don't know. I, unless there's some other history, I think it's one of those things where just because Josh Donaldson has that reputation of hey, hey, everybody doesn't mean that that may, that might just be all he is. I mean, Draymond Green has that reputation in the NBA. Yeah. Draymond Green has the reputation. So if Draymond Green said something to some other player in some, you know, if I I don't know if if. Uh, <laughs> Luka Doncic, you know, compared himself to whoever, uh, you know, some historical figure from Eastern Europe, and and Draymond Green called him that. Would that be racist? I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's the whole point. Is like, I think right. this is a stretch. This is a stretch to stoke whatever they can stoke. It's it's Larusa trying. It's Larusa yes. doing a poor job of defending his player in a situation yes. where I get I get defending your player. And or your teammate, whatever the other teammate was that that stood up for it, but also here's the yeah. here's the funny part, and, and, it's, and it's funny you bring up Tony Larusa because here's the funny part: Tim Anderson did not want Tony Larusa as his manager because of some of the racist <laughs> comments Tony Larusa made about You can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. So I, you know, okay, Tim Anderson, I hear you. And, and and what Tony LaRusso said was 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 inappropriate at the time it was said. But he was probably drunk. But he was probably idea. drunk going to his car when he said it. <laughs> drunk on yeah, microphone yeah, with the windows down. Yeah, exactly. Drunk drunk on his Bluetooth so I, when he said it, uh, <laughs> driving to the ballpark. But so I, okay, Tim Anderson, okay, but be careful with this. Be careful with this because everything. If if you do it too many times. This is not something that you want to lose its no. lose its 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 luster, I guess, for lack of a better word, behind it when you say it. But something that well, you'll have the league looking happen. at you like a Jussie Smollett, and they'll be like, "This guy, every time he opens his mouth, it's just BS." Right. 
That's what you're going to, you're going to run yourself into that reputation. Whatever Josh Donaldson's reputation is, it already is. And he's living with it, but you can run your reputation on the, on the rocks like this. If that's the kind of, don't be a small, exactly. Don't don't be be a a small brother. Don't be a small lad. That's that's a shortstop. Not a small small lad. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a small lad. Uh, the mullet. Oh, that's great. Donaldson, the mullet versus the smollet. That's fucking. The mud and the smollet. That's so good. Oh my god. Oh, that's so good. Put that on a t shirt. Yeah. Uh Nick Saban, I is not my favorite person, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna lie to y'all. I'm not gonna pretend like this is even uh, he's probably uh, on my Mount Rushmore of sports people I despise. He's on my Mount Rushmore. And Nick Saban recently had the gall. To get upset because Texas A&M had back-to-back number one recruiting classes. I mean, these guys. And 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 then said that they paid for their entire recruiting class. And not only did he say them, he then said because Jackson State, right. coached by Deion Sanders, got a player that they were after, that Deion Sanders gave the kid, the, not Deion Sanders, the individual, but the school gave him a million dollars to come play football at Jackson State. This, I, I will take the Jackson State thing first, and I will tell you this. If you've seen Jackson State, brother, they ain't got a million dollars to give nobody. Okay? <laughs> they coaching staff might not make a million dollars. Okay? They got a, a, a former Hall of Fame NFL great on it. The idea that Nick Saban would say someone is paying someone publicly. Now, what these guys say behind the scenes sure. is a completely different story because they all know the dirty secret about college athletics. Is it's pay to play? Everybody's paying everybody. Nick Saban is no different than anybody else when it comes to this particular aspect of college athletics. But for him to publicly say, publicly, Texas AM bought all their players is so arrogant and so pompous, it it it, it defies logic. It literally defies logic that he could say that because Deion Sanders also said, Jimbo Fisher, who is the coach at Texas A&M, said the exact same thing. Say Nick Saban called both of them. They didn't, they, they, they didn't talk to each other, but they publicly have now said Nick Saban called them. Deion had the best response. Jimbo said he didn't pick the phone up. Deion said, no, 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 there's, no, there's nothing privately for us to talk about. He said, you said it publicly. Right. Let's have the conversation publicly. Nice. And you know Nick Saban ain't got the balls to do no. that. Guy can barely speak in an Aflac commercial. Thank you. By the way, with Deion Sanders in Yeah, that, isn't that funny? Just like the hypocrisy is just outstanding from that guy. You don't win a championship, and now you're being beat in recruiting. Maybe people just want to play for Jimbo Fisher because it's fun. Maybe it's not the military level that you have. Maybe the offensive approach to these particular set of kids and this rating system is better than yours, bro. Don't go out here saying people pay for something because don't make people start digging up your graves. Maybe, just maybe, hear me out now, maybe you've created such something at Alabama that a bunch of young kids all over the South and in that conference recruiting territory guess what maybe you've created something so great they want to beat you maybe some of these kids 
you've created a program and you're raising some kids in areas that are playing football all over Texas and Florida and the South that want to beat Alabama, not be Alabama. There's obviously still a whole lot of kids that want to be Alabama. Sure. But maybe just maybe because it happened to everybody all the time. It's happened everywhere. Duke, Krzyzewski, you, these, these yeah. programs also create kids that don't want to be at Duke. They want to beat Duke. They don't want to be at Ohio State or Michigan. They want to beat Ohio State. So you do raise that. And the funny thing is, is let's just say the gall. First off, here's where I find the gall in going public with any of this stuff when you're a college coach making this up. First off, let's say everybody played by the rules. It's laughable. But let's just say we live in Narnia and everything and was laugh. clean in college football. Everybody did it by the rules. Let me add, let me say something. First off, don't speak about any of this kind of stuff when you're making the kind of money you're making and you have all the outs as an, as an adult individual and all the outs and all the ways you get to screw up. You get to screw up. Yeah. You get to you get to be caught with mistresses. You get to leave a program when it when you put it in into uh, so, you know uh, probation. probation. That's the word. Thank you. We're doing word association. But you get to do all these things. You get to just slide away from all these responsibilities as an adult man, making take your millions with you. While young players always have to play by every little inch of the rules. And if they take a dinner from a guy, they're suspended. If they get, you know, they, 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 if they screw up, they're thrown off the team. They're, they, you know, they're, you know, it's unbelievable that any of these guys have anything to say about anything other than shut up, coach your team, recruit, cash your checks, and, and understand the privilege at which you get to do it against the whole rule of college athletics and everything underneath you. So that just from that standpoint, and then to be Nick Saban and to be this guy that sit there and oh. go Jimbo Fisher, that Jimbo Fish. And it's like, are you that afraid of someone else being good in your conference? Jimbo Fisher, when he was getting Jameis Winston and he was winning national titles at Florida State, you weren't saying any of this stuff because guess what? He was in the ACC, not the SEC. Now you're afraid. You're literally afraid. You're like, oh, wait, I, I don't want to have to play against more than just Georgia every year. Well, guess what? Sorry. Maybe there's some more football program maybe guess what you're gonna have to compete a little harder nick to win i i have always said this and this is what i don't like about college athletics football more than any other sport there's no way that if you can get better players up and down the roster at every position year after year that i know yeah. that you're a good coach because you've got ran out of the NFL because they're better people at X's and O's because the playing field is more level because of the mm -hmm. salary cap. So if all things being equal, like quote unquote, he wants it to be fair. Jimbo Fisher might be a better X's and O's coach than you. Jim Harbaugh might be a better X's and O's coach than you. So I, I, the idea the Nick Saban, man, of all people started this, just blows my mind. It does. Because, by the way, Lincoln Riley, the guy now coaching at USC, 
he might be coming too. So now there's another player. Here's another player who gets to throw his hat in the coaching ring of having the best team in the country. He still he he buying all his players too. So who else buying all their players, Nick? You finna you finna you finna do the tell all book in the press conference. Tell that tell 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 who else? Dion buying his Texas A&M buying his. You got any information on Michigan? How about Ohio State? Huh? No, because because for whatever reason, the players that they got wasn't on your radar. And that's the part that that's the part that bothers me. If you go throw dirt, look at look in the mirror first. It's just such sour grapes for all the success yes. that this guy has had. And to like it's almost like this, it's this almost like you know, when you see out there uh, some of this billionaire class, like, how dare you tax me? How dare you? Yeah. How dare do you know how rich I am? Elon. How dare you tax me? It's like, do you know? We are Alabama. How dare you go get the best recruit? How dare you come and compete with me and take any little bit that I'm supposed to have? It's crazy thinking. And it's this like, you know, you get to the, and that's what happens, man. People in, in power and it just, it starts accumulating when the yes. power and the accumulation comes and then can't just, yes, you can't de- deal with a disappointment or not look, somebody being better with Georgia's better. Texas A&M might be better. Oh my God! What am I gonna do? It's like what? You're audacity. You're gonna still go out and do everything. You're still so gonna go it, beat freaking Southern Missouri's ears by sixty. You're gonna go beat Prairie View by fifty. You're gonna play Auburn, and that's it. And you hope that you don't Eastern, have to face yeah. Georgia or A&M. Northwest Eastern State. We're gonna crush them by College by seventy. Charles. Like, come on, bro. Know. That's what you're gonna do. It's. It's all dumb. It's all dumb, and I'm glad that we were able to talk about that because that happened in the time where we were uh, we were done. I was uh, we, I think this was a, a Friday, Thursday, Friday mm-hmm. story. So we yeah. wanted to bring it to y'all, and we got so much more for y'all yes. tomorrow on the show, same time. Brown and Lawhead, tomorrow. Peace. Peace.